Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsdaya, and today we will be studying Duff 15, Tet Vav, in the first chapter of Masachet Rosh Hashanah. We finish up the sugya that started on the previous Duff about the new year for trees that starts in the month of Shvat. The reason that the new year for trees is counted differently is based on the agricultural circle in Israel. Rabbi Elazar pointing out that by Shvat, the majority of the yearly rain has fallen. The rain and the warmer temperatures after the winter cause the trees to blossom. Now our duff on 15 Aleph starts with a question. From where do we know that plucking determines the tithing of an etrog? Rabban Gamliel. And he says it to be Shvat? But we just read on the previous Amut that Rabbi Barav Khuna said that according to Rabban Gamliel's view, an etrog is like a vegetable. And the tithing cycle for vegetables starts in the month of Tishrei, not Shvat. Now the Gemara amends Rabbi Barav Khuna's quote to Although Rabban Gamliel determined that the tithe cycle of an etrog follows plucking like in the case of vegetables, its new year is nevertheless Shvat, like with trees in general. Now, why is this confusion about an etrog in the, in the first place? Apparently, according to our Gemara, Kashia Leyado, an etrog doesn't like to be touched. It's delicate. Now, Rabba asks, what is the case of a six-year-old etrog tree where the fruit was picked during Shemitah? We remember that Shemitah is the year of rest, and all produce during that year is ownerless. Rabba says that such an etrog is not liable to Masa in Bio. In case you missed this in the discussion on the previous Dapim, Masa is tithe, one-tenth of a produce, that was set aside to be taken to Jerusalem and consumed there. The Masa Sheni, the second tithe, was taken in the first, second, fourth, and fifth year of the Shemitah cycle. The Masa Oni, the poor man's tithe, was taken in the third and sixth year. Masa Rishon and Truma was taken before Masa Sheni and Masa Oni, and both were given to the Levites and the Kohanim, who had no portion in the land, and needed this for their sustenance, because they had no other source of income. Now, Shemitah produce could be collected by anyone, but could only be stored as long as the produce as such was still in season, meaning was still available in the field. Once that time had passed, biur removal was required. What biur meant in particular is debated among the authorities. Rambam, Maimonides, for instance, declared it actually needed to be destroyed, like in Biur Hametz. Now others, like Ramban, Nachmanides, thought it needed to be declared Hefker, ownerless, at that point. On 15b, nine lines from the top, 
we read, Tanurabanan, our sages taught, if the fruit of a tree blossoms before the 15th of Shvat, it is tithed for the previous year. If it blossoms after the 15th, it is tithed as for the coming year. So the time of blossoming determines to which fiscal year, so to say, in regards to the tithe, a tree falls under. Rabbi Nehemia says that this rule only applies to trees that have two broods a year, which is a little bit of a weird expression. Broods in Hebrew, brichot, is only normally used for birds who sometimes bring up two sets of young. So the Gemara comes in and amends this statement as saying, as if it were two broods. Again, we see here a case where the Gemara simply amends the linguistics of a statement in order to make sense of it. Now, what does Rabbi Nehemia mean with a tree that has more than one brood a year? Most fruit trees blossom and develop fruit at approximately the same time at the time of harvest. It's basically the same. Okay, sometimes you might find that some cherries or apples that are not quite as ripe as the other cherries or apples on the tree. But nevertheless, the fruit developed roughly at the same time. An example for fruit trees where fruit grows at different times is the fig tree. The first crop of figs grows on the shoots of the previous year in the spring, and the second crop develops on the new shoots in the late summer or beginning of fall. With carob trees, where the discussion now moves to, the custom is to follow Rabbi Nehemia, says Rabbi Yochanan. But Reish Lakish tries to contradict Rabbi Yochanan by quoting to him that according to the Mishnah in Shvi'it 5.1, as regards with wild fig trees, their seventh year is the second year of the Shemitah cycle, because after blossoming, their fruit takes three years to grow, showing that even trees whose fruit ripen simultaneously, the tithing is determined by sprouting, not plucking. Ishtik. He was silent. Rabbi Yochanan didn't reply. This is puzzling. The Gemara thinks so too. Why didn't Rabbi Yochanan simply say that he was quoting Rabbi Nehemiah? Because Reish Lakish could have countered that Rabbi Nehemiah doesn't trump the Mishnah from Shvi'it. So why didn't Rabbi Yochanan then explain that he was simply describing what people are doing? To which Reish Lakish could have replied, Ki nahagu shaf ki should we condone something just because it has become a custom? Which is always a valid question. On the one hand, established custom has a strong value and sometimes assumes the status of law. But to what extent can or should it overrule law? And just to be clear, this concern should be in our mind both in the case of leniencies that have become customs as well with stringencies. Rabbi Ababa Kohen, in the end, states that he doubts whether Reish Lakish actually ever asked the question which immediately gets attacked. But we are explicitly told that he did. So amending what a certain rabbi did or didn't say has its limits. And here the Gemara is not prepared to accept a simple linguistic fancy footwork. But we still don't really get an answer. In the end, the sugya 
and the discussion of this Mishnah ends with Ema im kibla Rabbi Yochanan im lo kibla. It should have said that it is uncertain whether Rabbi Yochanan accepted the question to be worthy of an answer. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.